1: And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. Uh, welcome to this Friday. I apologize in advance. My voice is wrecked, man. Uh, we we had a busy week. Um, and so I'll just recap it here for a second. Um, you know, Wednesday, we decided as an organization to give back to our community. And so we hosted a nonprofit leadership conference here in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, had about 90 leaders, uh, executive directors, CEOs, and just various leaders of nonprofits uh, as part of our Transform Birmingham initiative that we launched here, uh, just as a way to give back and improve to our community. So we uh, did a replay of our Live to Lead um, a presentation that we had uh, with the Maxwell Group. And then uh, I did some DISC training and then portions of my uh, No Day But Today uh, and ended with the panel interview. So that was a fantastic day. That was co-hosted uh, with our friend Joan Wright uh, from Childcare Resources, which was our benefactor of our Live Delete event. That when we did that as part of the live simul- uh, simulcast, and then uh, Shannon Ammons, it, it uh, who is the uh, executive director, our president at uh, uh, Alabama Association of Nonprofits. So we we thank them for for joining us with that. That was a fantastic event. We had a great time. Ah, uh, just uh, hosting and being a part of that, um, and then the very next day was teaching junior achievement at the high school and, and doing various demos for clients, uh, and then last night, uh, you know, was was uh, invited back uh, from my former coaching staff. Uh, the last four years, I, I coached youth football uh, with my son, and and it was kind of the revenge match last night in the playoffs of the of the team that beat us in the championship game last year. Uh, And so just my voice is yet to recover. Uh, And there's going to be no time to recover as uh, tomorrow morning, I'm headed with uh, 7,000 of my closest friends to be in Las Vegas uh, for CA World. So we're headed off to CA World. Uh, We'll be there Saturday through Friday uh, at uh, the largest user conference uh, for our uh, primary sponsor, CA. Uh, But uh, there's going to be a ton of things going on out there. Uh, including we'll be speaking, uh, doing a couple of speeches. As a matter of fact, we, we were slated just to do, I think, one. Uh, John Stenbeck and I uh, were going to be uh, doing some book signings and, and put together uh, a talk around Agile. And um, there's been so much response uh, to the talk that we put together. Uh, we just found out last night, or was requested last night, to add an encore session already. Uh, due to the overflow or response um, so that they could accommodate the people that wanted to hear us. So we were certainly blessed by that uh, and excited about that. And, and of course, uh, we're willing to accommodate. So uh, we're going to be giving a couple of talks out at CA World. Uh, there's partner breakouts. We're going to be part of the Partner Advisory uh, Council uh, to meet with the, the people who help develop the tools that uh, that we help support. Uh, and it's, it's going to be nuts. Um, so for that reason... Uh, We can go ahead and tell you it's going to be a replay next Friday because I'm going to have to have time to allow my voice and liver and everything else to recover from that time in Vegas. I can promise you that. Um, But uh, today, um, we did have a guest that was scheduled. We had teased that last week. Uh, She had uh, had some family complications or or an issue uh, pop up, I believe, with her book. Um, So she had asked to reschedule. Um, So us, uh, as we are here and, and always trying to be professional, we' we're, we're ready to go with a different topic. and And so, what I wanted to do, uh, and really, this kind of hit me um, with some events that have happened this week. Um, and And when I was doing the nonprofit leadership conference, um, you know I, I really dove into no day, but today. and it, and you know those those people that know me and if you've been listening to the show for for uh, quite some time, you know, I get deeply personal and and I use this show sometimes. Just to kind of work through feelings and that kind of stuff, and and um, I got really personal in the leadership conference. It was amazing. We had a great time, um, and I did know David today, which um, is you know my my best selling book on Amazon, and it's a, um, a personal guide, and really kind of how to make your dreams come true, how to establish your roles, define uh, your legacy, and and build an action plan to to go after your legacy. And so I was walking them through some of the activities that come out of the book, but was also then describing my personal journey and my personal walk. And, um, and through that, kind of touched on some topics and really kind of got into um, connecting my topic and my material uh, with the Live to Lead that we had done um, because a lot of times when you hear some of these fantastic speakers that we had the opportunity to listen to, which was John Maxwell, Dave Ramsey, Cheryl Bosch, Helder, Warwick Dunn, um, they give a lot of vision ideas, a lot of visionary ideas, a lot of uh, big talk. And, and, you know, quite frankly, when, when you hear them for just an hour, you hear a show like this for an hour, um, you know, you, you get lofty ideas. And that's great. That's fantastic. And it, you hear visionary things, um, but there's a lot of um, sometimes lack of, tactical uh purpose and and so we did the to lead and then I, I dove into disc profiles and teaching people how to communicate and what's interesting when you when you teach disc and, and um if you haven't really dove into disc i suggest that you do but one of the biggest revelations within disc is when i i do a thing in which we divide the room in which uh dr robert rome taught us how to do uh, and, and so when you're dividing the room, um, you've got half the room um, that are divided and those people think and the other people feel. And I'll describe that for a second. So in, in, if we were asking if we were sitting down and, and talking with each other and, and, and I asked you, you know, if if you were working on a project and you were completing a task or you were doing something and and I said, you know, if you completed a task and, you know, you may have stepped on a couple of toes along the way, you may have hurt a couple of feelings along the way, you know, how would you feel about that? Or what would you think about that? Would you just say, you know, that's just how work gets done? And, you know, those people just kind of have to buck up. Um, If so, you know, you just kind of go on this side of the room. Um, If you say, you know, wow, you know, I really didn't intend to hurt those people's feelings or, you know, I'm really concerned you go on this side of the room and really what you end up seeing that there really is a clear division. There's people that just say, look, um, if, if I have to hurt a couple of people along the way, or if I have to push a couple of people out of the way sometimes to get work done, that's just the way it is. And then there's a group of people that says, well, I'm not going to sacrifice team harmony or sacrifice people in order to get work done. And there's a clear division in a room. And so, when we're talking through that, that means half of the room, they look and attack a problem by thinking. They they, th- they think through problems. They think uh, about tasks. They think about projects. They think their way through problem resolution. The other half of the room, they feel their way through a problem. They feel... Uh, about things, they feel about tasks, they feel about issues, they feel their way through social collaboration and people. And and just to clarify, I'm I'm more of a feeling person. I, I, I tend to want more social involvement, more social people. And and so um, I would not necessarily sacrifice work for for people, but I want to make sure that there's team harmony and, and people are getting along. And so you know if I had to make an ultimate choice, I would tend to choose people over the task. And um, so when you're when you're presenting information and when you're talking to people and when you're trying to teach and when you're trying to lead, you have to make sure that you're kind of presenting both sides because you got to recognize if you're, if you're presenting in front of, you know, 30 people to 100 people to 3,000 people, you have to present both sides. You're going to lose half the audience, and that's just a fact. It's, it's just what you need to understand if you're going to be a professional speaker or somebody that's doing this is uh, so that half the people think and half the people feel. And as a matter of fact, um, you know, I even just did it a second ago but you'll just say, you know, you you act like you're you're kind of um, thinking through something but you'll go, so what do you think about that? How do you feel about that? And, and what you're doing is you're including the whole audience when you do that. So I, I, as I was teaching these techniques, what I wanted to make sure I was doing is I was connecting the big vision ideas, then I was connecti- connecting the communication ideas. And then I wanted to connect um, really the growth portion and tactical growth around um, the understanding how your brain works in the left brain and the right brain. And in doing so, I wanted to present information in both, um, you know, inviting information for the thinkers and the feelers. And so when you start to really get into left brain, right brain and understanding how the left brain, right brain works, you know, left brain is very logic based and right brain is very creative based. And unfortunately, most of our education system and the way that we've been taught just completely strengthens your left brain and takes most of your right brain creativity away. That's what it does. It it just, you know, we've been taught logic and, and thinking and equation and, and. It, quite frankly, just throughout your entire education system, through elementary school to high school to college, it's all been reinforcing of left brain habits. It, you know, even through most of your early um, work habits, it's you know, be on time, do this, follow the rules, do that. You know, and and it lacks a lot of the creativity. Um, and that's why when you see things like Google and the way Google's set up. Google and in, in most of the things that they do at their headquarters is all about stifling or not stifling, but but engaging that right brain creativity. Um, and so I wanted to present a, a couple of ideas in, in trying to teach people a really kind of new age somewhat topic that I knew most of them would find silly, quite frankly. But I wanted to pre- present facts in both the left brain and right brain um, area that they could digest and so I thought I'd share some of that with you today on the show and then connect that to uh, self-esteem and why I'm doing that is because um, one of the tidbits of information that I shared is you know we, when you go to conferences like Live to Lead or you hear shows like mine or you hear things um, all the time you know guys like me or like Stan or like Maxwell or like uh, Simon Sinek or Seth Godin or all these guys, you know when when we're on stage, you know we flip a switch and we can bring it. That's what we do. That's what we're getting paid to do. That's what it's what we're designed to do, but people forget that we're that we're people, right And so so we can bring all these techniques and we bring all these things that to learn how to live a positive life and how to have a fantastic life and, and to live positively. But that doesn't mean we have we don't have bad weeks. Doesn't mean we don't have bad days. It doesn't mean we're not people that struggle with the same esteem issues and, and um, uh, you know struggles of of depression and things like that. And so I related a story that I saw even John Maxwell where he was just hitting his seventieth uh, birthday and it w- he was he was trotting out to retirement man. He was doing the marble thing, taking you know marbles out of the out of the uh, jar. And was heading off uh, on his 70th birthday to turn over the John Maxwell team to other people and literally just woke up one day and turned turned the jar of marbles over and, and woke up renewed, refreshed and ready to go. But we all have these down cycles. It's okay. But it's the recognition of the down cycles and pulling ourselves out that I think separates people uh, but that doesn't mean we don't go through them, right? Even greatly positive people and people that espouse advice have down cycles. It's just how quickly can we pull out of them? So I figured that's what we would talk about today. So when we come back, we're going to start to dive into that. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. <laughs> And we're back to the work-life balance this Friday afternoon. We're talking about self-esteem and, and, you know, we just did the whole lead-in about left brain, right brain. And I'm going to talk to my left brain people first, right? And, and then that's because most of us are. Most of us most of us uh, have, have been pushed into logic vehicles and in, in understanding logic and in saying things like prove it. And if I, if I start going even into the right brain stuff out of the gate, most people will, will turn the radio dial. It's the truth. If, if I start going into some of these techniques and things that I've learned just recently, even when I started to learn them, I was like, this is crud. This is crap. I, I don't believe it. It's no way. Um, until you start to get into it and start to learn it and, and start to really understand how the brain works. And so let's just start with the logic factors. Let's just start with the science itself. As a matter of fact, this study was just released in October of 2017. We're just talking last month, uh, the University College of London uh, team of researchers, um, is starting to find mappings within the brain of self-esteem. It, they, they literally have, have found mappings and a mathematical equation that, that's starting to explain how self-esteem itself is shaped uh, in the brain and by what other people think of us. And so they've been doing several studies uh, to begin to identify signals in the human brain to explain why self-esteem goes up and down Uh, When we learn what other people think and and judge of us. And uh, so it's interesting because, you know, as as the studies coming out, they're saying things such as low self-esteem is a vulnerability factor for numerous psychiatric problems, including eating disorders, anxiety disorders, and depression. And in the study that they identified exactly what happens in the brain when self-esteem itself goes up or down. And so they're hoping that these findings inform their understanding of how mental health problems develop and what ultimately improves diagnostic tools and treatments. And so there's there's a lot of science that's going on between self-esteem and, and the functionality of the brain. Uh, Dr. Paul Scheele, who who is a mentor to the John Maxwell team and has shared a lot of findings and in, in trainings with us, he talks about how, the you know, and there's a tremendous amount of research out there as well, that the brain itself... Um, grows like a muscle, and, and just like any other muscle, you know, it can go into atrophy in certain areas, and it can go and it can grow in certain areas. So, for areas such as memory and, and memory recall, and and uh, linguistics, and mathematical equations, and things. Things that, you know, there, there, so many people say, well, I'm just not good at that. Well, no, it's not that you're not good at it. It's that you're not exercising it, that you're not trying. And, and, and it's not that you're not trying. It's that you're not pushing the limits of yourself to really go there. You know, I wasn't very good at, at development and writing code uh, until I pushed myself to learn it. I wasn't good uh, at, uh, you know, writing certain things until I pushed myself to learn it. And what happens is, is there's a chemical literally chemical in the brain over the nerve endings um of your neural pathways and and it's it's no different and, and dr paul shealy actually explains it this way it's no different than a grassy field and so you got this large grassy field of all these neural pathways and if you walk through a grassy field for the first time if you look back it, it it it's slightly bent right you can kind of see the path that you just walked through it's slightly bent but then You know, the next day you barely can see where you walk through. That's somewhat of what your short-term memory is doing. But if you keep walking up and down and up and down and up and down that same pathway, um, you know, multiple times, then you're going to start to wear a path. It's going to, you know, you're going to start to be able to see a tremendous path. And of course, then if you pave the pathway, um, you know, to a sidewalk, it's a permanent path. It's the same thing of what's happening in your in your your brain, and and so that's true for. Um, for any kind of memory skills, that's true for any kind of math skill, it, what you practice is what stays. And so there's a tremendous amount of science to that. so so if you turn that now, that that science and that logic, if we turn that now to, um, to the next step, which that next step is then, well, how does, Positive intelligence work and how does that affect your self-esteem and connotation and things of that sort. So you got facts that say, if I practice um, improving my neural pathways, if I practice thinking good thoughts, if I practice, um, you know, all of these different things. Then I strengthen them. I get better, and it becomes a a shorter term memory that involves into a longer term memory, and and then I'm I'm building this you know strengthening muscle within my brain. So I'm staying with my left brain people here. I'll I'm going to address my right brain people in the next segment, but my left brain people, um, there's a phenomenal book out there you can read by Sherrard uh, Charmet, excuse me, called Positive Intelligence, and so I'm going to stay with the facts here for a second. But they did they looked at over uh, 200 different scientific studies, which collectively tested more than 275,000 people that included you know, that, that concluded in, in these different studies, um, and looked at people that were just thinking more positively and doing things that were practicing positive intelligence, um, what effect that had on their lives. And so in these studies, it concluded that people that thought more positively, that led to higher salary and greater success in the arenas of work and marriage and health, sociability, friendship, creativity. They saw salespeople that were closing 37% uh, more deals than people with lower uh, positive intelligence. Uh, Negotiators uh, were more likely to gain concessions and close deals and forge important future business relationships. They were seeing students that were performing significantly better. Uh, CEOs were leading happier teams. So there's all kinds of signs and things that you can see behind it. So, what did positive intelligence mean? What, What did it mean? Well, this is where some of my right brain folks start to come in. But because people are so left brain, because we're so logic based. It is about engaging the right brain, and and when we're saying left brain and right brain, we've got to keep into to account here. Most people think the brain is a single solitary organ, um, but your left brain and your right brain is absolutely two totally separate things. It it absolutely is, and and there are a few connectors to it, um, but your left brain, and your right brain um, are two totally separate things. Your left brain holds you know your logic area, your reasoning area, that kind of stuff. And within your left brain um, holds, and for left-brain people, we'll call it the judge, as as Charmaine called it. And your judge is your greatest critic in the world, and it's your greatest attacker of self-esteem. Your judge is the conversation that's going on in your head every time you want to go after an endeavor. It's the thing that says you can't do it. You're not the person smart enough. Why are you the person that thinks that can get up in the room and speak? Why are you the person that thinks you can get on stage and, and say something? Why are you the person um, that's going to get that promotion? You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not, you know, you know, good looking enough to go get that date. All of the things, it is your personal saboteur in your brain that is telling you you're not worthy, and that is a conversation that absolutely um, just beats you down. And so what you have to learn how to practice is to recognize that it's there and to learn how to combat it. And, and again, I'm not saying it's a perfect process because there's times um that the greatest, the, the John Maxwells, the, the the people, we, we all have fights with this this saboteur. But in recognizing that it's there, you can do what's called mental reps and and understand how to uh, combat it. And the greatest way for left brain people to learn how to engage, um, is is through physical sensation. So physical sensation is a is a reminder to engage your right brain, which is engaging what what we call the sage and the sage is what is your attacker against that judge the sage um is just reminding you to get into your right brain to become creative um to make sure that you're you're staying in your positive. and so something as simple as rubbing your fingers together rubbing your hands together um when you're getting up and 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 you know walking to the bathroom or something like that um just taking a second to to feel you know the carpet beneath your feet or understanding you know you're rubbing your arm or, or just rubbing your fingertips across your hand but just engaging um, in some sort of physical sensation to get into the present mind because your right brain is what is controlling creativity and uh, joy and, and all of those types of feelings and you can get caught into what we call the left brain loop and and so Understanding what those reps are and what those things are to increase your positive intelligence can snap you out of that negative spiral of those negative thoughts. And you can do what's called positive intelligence reps, where if you're doing that, you know, once every hour, or you know, you know, making sure that you're practicing putting yourself into a mode, and the moment you're feeling those negative thoughts creep in. Then you can start to combat them, and again, it's just flexing the muscle. As you flex the muscle, you get better and better at controlling the negative thoughts. You get better and better at you know getting back into the good side and thinking of good things. Um, I've done a whole show on connotation, so I'm not going to really get into connotation, but just really briefly. Again, you know, when I'm on stage and somebody walks out, I can have the negative thought of, "Man, I'm boring. That person just left." Or I can have the positive thought of, wow, whatever I just said uh, was so amazing. That person just ran out of the room to call their spouse and tell them. The point is, is I'm never going to know. So why does it have to be negative? I can choose to believe positive. I can flex the positive muscle and I can take it however I want to. Uh, It's all about flexing the right muscle to make sure that I'm there. And it's not about being delusional. It's not about being overly happy or overly bombastic or anything like that. It's just about flexing the right muscles so that I can be in the right frame of mind uh, to actually accomplish what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. Um, But one of our favorite slogans around R-squared is, why not? So when somebody says, well, why are we going to go do that or why are we going to do this or, um, you know, why are we going to go after that, my response is always, why not? You know, so we're trying to do bigger and better things. We're trying to grow in in a way that we've never grown before. And so before somebody asks me why, the question is, why can't we? Why don't we do that? Why why won't we do that? Um, we can try and we can fail. And fail to me is my first attempt in learning to figure out what we can do different the next time. But why not? Right? So it's not so so much the negative things driving us down. It's the positive reaction to figure out what's next. We're going to try it if nobody shows up. Okay. The market told us. Great. Now we'll figure out what to do differently and we'll try it again. But it's not because, you know, I'm not going to get in a shame spiral of, oh, we suck. This is horrible. We should never do this. It's all about, okay, we learned that lesson. What are we going to do next? But staying in that positive mindset so that we can move forward. So hopefully that helped a little bit of the left brain. We're going to now uh, switch. So so remember the the book, again, is Positive Intelligence. Uh, Charmaine. It is all logic-based. So for the people that are really stuck in that left brain, That's going to give you all the facts and figures and things like that to really help you increase that positive mindset that you're looking for. Um, If you're really, you know, a logical person and really want to understand kind of why you think that way. When we come back after the break, we're going to address the right brain people and talk about it from a creative mindset. So we'll do that right after the break. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris.
2: And make everything you've got put you out in front.
0: Are you getting the most out of your project management software? Again, that's one 472 5790 If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: And we are back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday, talking about self-esteem. So we just finished addressing, you know, half my audience, right, our left brain. We're probably three-quarters of the audience, but we still got the right brain people, uh, the other quarter of our audience, we were talking about improving self-esteem, improving, um, you know, our positive thoughts and, and how to do that. And, uh, you know, I, I found two great book titles in, that I was teaching from uh, on Wednesday, and I thought I'd share that with the audience. So uh, the last segment we talked about uh, positive intelligence. And so then the other book um, that I found just to be beautiful, beautiful and greatly uh, written um, to address this topic Especially from a creative mind um, was uh, suggested to me uh, by uh, Seth Godin. Um, and you know, I think the world is Seth Seth has helped us uh, in our business tremendously. and uh, he had suggested reading the War of Art uh, by Stephen Pressfield. So that's the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And so Stephen really sat down and I think you know Stephen was dealing with with his personal demons. Uh, when he was trying to sit down and write his book, because a lot of that came through as well. It was, you know, why should I be writing a book? Will anybody read it? Will anybody care? And anybody who's sat down and written a book themselves, they you know, you go through all of those different emotions. it's It's incredible. but uh, he he then labeled um, he labels the the negative, right? So where Shirzar uh, Shamarin talks about, you know that negative voice in your head is the judge and then the then that positive feeling is the sage and that that's what you're working through uh... steven pressfield na- names the judge in in a rape brain world um... as resistance and how to overcome resistance and how to fight uh... resistance and he does a beautiful job and so I'm, i, I want to read just a section here uh... of what he says um, as resistance's greatest hits. And, and just if any of these resonate with you, you'll, you'll know exactly what we're talking about, right? Because he says, you know, as you get up and get started, then these are the things that you start to, to think through um, or the things that stop you. So he says, the following is a list in no particular order of those activities that most commonly elicit resistance, Number one, the pursuit of any calling in writing, painting, music, film, dance, or any creative art, however marginal or unconventional. Number two, the launching of any entrepreneurial venture or enterprise, for-profit or otherwise. Number three, any diet or health regimen. Number four, any program of spiritual advancement. Number five, any activity whose aim is tighter abdominals. Number six, any course or program designed to overcome an unwholesome habit or addiction. Number seven, education of every kind. Number eight, any act of political, moral, or ethical courage, including the decision to change for the better some unworthy pattern of thought or conduct in ourselves. Number nine, the undertaking of any enterprise or endeavor whose aim is to help others. Number 10, any act that entails commitment of the heart, the decision to get married, to have a child, to weather a rocky patch in a relationship. And number 11, the taking of any principled stand in the face of adversity. In other words, the act that rejects immediate gratification in favor of long-term growth, health, or integrity, or expressed another way, any act that derives from our higher nature instead of our lower. Any of these will elicit resistance." How beautiful is that? So, and essentially, those are the exact things that we're talking about here in, in when we're dealing with self-esteem, and we're dealing with positive intelligence, or in this case, what he says, resistance. So, as we're we're fighting through these things, and we're trying to improve ourselves, our judge or resistance presents our, itself. It says, you know, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, You, um, that kind of stuff in my book, No Day. But today... Um, I always say that tomorrow is the greatest day it, because how many diets, workout plans, uh, grand ideas, chase your dreams, everything else, all of those things you were going to start tomorrow. And then tomorrow came. So I guess it's always going to be tomorrow. It's like the sign. There's a great steak restaurant in Houston that my friend Tracy Duez has told me about that always says uh free steak tomorrow. <laughs> and I think that's hilarious. I think it's such a great sign. Uh, so, you know, tomorrow you can come in and get a free steak, but today you got to pay. Uh, and I think that that's true. And so I think when we start to deal with uh, the self-esteem and th- things of those sorts, um, th- that becomes the issue. So how do we deal with it, right? So those are the problems. and We got it. And that's fine. I already told you in positive intelligence, they talk about getting physical sensation. But... Not only do you have a left brain and a right brain, you have two other brains that you deal with. You have your conscious brain and your unconscious brain. And your conscious brain actually is the one that we're obviously conscious of. But but imagine this. Think about this. Um, you know, I, I, there, there's a TED Talk out there, and, and I wish I, I could recall you know, right off the bat who it was. Um, but you can certainly search for it on YouTube, but it was fascinating to me uh, about consciousness because... Anybody who's ever gone to surgery and has been put under anesthesia, you've lost time. You, you've lost gap, and and so you're sitting there, and, and you know you you know it's it's ten a.m. and and you know anesthesiologist says you're going to get a little sleepy, and next thing you know, it's six o'clock at night. So what happened to you? What happened to your body? Your your brain completely shut down. Um. But you are still alive. You're still there. So what does consciousness really mean? And and so there was some statistical studies and things around that, but I thought that that was fascinating, the way he presented that argument. Secondarily, your brain is taking in millions and millions and millions of bits of information per second. It just, it's just fact. And the percentage of bits that we're actually processing into our conscious brain and actually Working through is, is such a small percentage, not even funny. So the art of visualization, and you know, people have called it the secret, people have called it advanced attraction, people have called it all kinds of different things, but there's certainly a connection in strengthening that bond between your conscious and unconscious mind to bring things forward. That's the same neural pathways that we're talking about here in positive intelligence and in you know memory recall and strengthening all those different things. So that means right the summation means that you can strengthen the bond and you can strengthen the neural pathways that control self esteem it, it is a brain function it's not just how you feel right it's not just shame and all these other stuff you can strengthen it so don't be afraid to confront those feelings and in, in what's happening at those times and don't be afraid to step back and enjoy your accomplishments i was just uh, uh, giving counsel to to someone today um, you know, this is going through a difficult time and that's fine, but you know, and in, in, in there's emotion involved. And I said, you can't be afraid to carp- uh, compartmentalize. And he's like, yeah, but how do you do that? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, from eight to nine, you can be a mess. That's fine. Be a mess, right? Address it, be a mess from nine to 10, be very focused at, at the business end of some of the, the things that you got to do. And then from 10 to 11, Take a step back and and deal with the emotion of what you just had to do. And that's okay, right? Compartmentalize that in a way that that allows yourself to deal with the emotion. But from 9 to 10, don't let the emotion creep in from the actions you have to take. Do do what you have to do because you have to get that done. But from 10 to 11, go ahead and allow yourself to deal with the emotions. But But still, start to train yourself and train your brain and strengthen those neural connections that says – you know, from nine to ten, I've got to be lucid and clear and 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 focused on taking action to be able to take into those next steps of my life. Um, and 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 not only that, I said, but before you go to bed tonight, right? Before you go to bed tonight, the last thing I want you to do is imagine, right? You yourself um, looking at yourself in the mirror and being happy where you are. I said, now there's not a time frame on that. That's okay. But imagine that you can look at yourself in the mirror and you're happy with yourself and you love everything about yourself. And I said, so that you can start to that visualization process that you're there. And then let your subconscious mind start to work, right? Go to bed, go to sleep, don't worry about it. But let your unconscious mind start to build the neuropathways of what's going to get you there. And when you wake up, the first idea in your brain, take it and run with it right? Let it go. Let 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 that subconscious start feeding your, your conscious mind of activities and actions you need to take to get there. But unless you put something into your brain that says, I do want to be happy, I am going to be happy, and there's going to be a day where I can look at myself in my mirror and be 100% happy with where I'm at, right? You've got to announce the goal. You've got to put it out there. You've got to give it, and, and that's what that's what all the secret and advanced attraction and all these different books are out there, and there's enough studies out there that says these techniques work, right? So you can call it whatever you want to call it. I'm not trying to be spiritual or whatever, or or denounce anybody's beliefs in any of those things. But there's enough out there that says visualization works. And in in but but what it's doing is building these neuropathways that help you start to accomplish those goals. And and it works. And and so left brain people, logic wise, look, look at the data, right? Brain people, right? Believe in the creativity side. And so, you know, read the right book that, that's going to speak the language to you. But the point is, is that you can start to do conscious activities that build your self esteem more so than just chanting a bunch of stuff or, or just saying, God, I got to like myself better or whatever it is that you do. Take positive action. To, to begin to learn what it really means and what you can do about it. This is Rick Morris. You're listening to the work-life balance. We're going to take our final break right here and we'll be right back for the close of the show.
2: In today's hyper fast, super competitive business world on time is now too late on budget
0: You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: And we're back to the work-life balance. And we've been talking uh, about self-esteem and uh, give some real-time feedback to uh, listener questions that are coming in uh, and to my friend John Watson. That was that was not the TEDx talk uh, that came through, uh, but uh, I will try to find that out and get that out uh, on Twitter uh, later on, uh, the TEDx talk that I was referring to uh, that was referring to uh, anesthesia in the subconscious mind. Uh, I will get that out uh, in Twitter uh, right after the show. But... Uh, so listen, when we're talking through self-esteem and in different things that we can do to improve ourselves, when we talk left brain, right brain, positive intelligence, uh, War of Art, Stephen Pressfield. Um, you, the, the the greatest thing um, that that we really can do is take action, right? And, and one of the greatest quotes I always love to share in in dealing with this topic comes comes from you know my friend and mentor uh, John Watson or John Watson. Hey, there it is, Watson, uh, John Maxwell. Um, Although Watson is a friend and mentor as well. Um, But Maxwell says um, that uh, the only difference with people with good intentions and bad intentions are the people with good intentions just are a little nicer. Which means intention really has nothing to do with activity and activity doesn't mean achievement. It really, we can have great intentions all day long, but intentions are just that, they're intentions. Um, Intentions without action uh, are just, you know, thoughts. It, it's it's the action and activity to begin the, this path to learn, and it's okay, you know, to think about the past and 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 to think about past mistakes. But you can't get yourself overwhelmed with regret, and, and you have to understand that, that no one is perfect. You know, I was I was briefly talking about the story about John Maxwell, um, but you know, I could tell. As a member of the John Maxwell team, that, that there was a moment, um, right before he turned seventy, that uh, you know he was talking, he was doing the marble thing. He was he was taking marbles out every day as he was you know edging towards retirement, and he he was going to retire at seventy. Um, he actually did. He does this talk uh, for new team members um, at every training about JMT DNA, and he said that that was the last time he was going to give that talk. He was turning it over to other people, and you could just kind of see him going out to pasture. It was it was just kind of done. Um. The next year, he was back, and he was invigorated. He was—he's was going crazy, and and, and then he shares with us that he just walked in one day and he turned that marble bucket over, and now he came up with this vision of transforming countries, and and that's that's what he's going down and and, and taking over now. That's what what he's trying to do, um, and and so I, I that that's a kind of story I hold on to because, quite frankly, two weeks ago. I was in a very down cycle. Just things weren't clicking the way I wanted it to. Things weren't, you know, happening the way I wanted to. But I was lacking, you know, honest and true motivation. I just really was. It's it just, you know, the, I, I'd get to my desk, I'd, I'd be gung ho, and within 20 minutes be like, dude, I just don't want to be here, you know? And, and, and that's okay, right? It's okay that we have those moments because we're human. It's, it, you know, and, and, I think it's okay that, that we acknowledge that we have days that way or even weeks that way as long as it's days or weeks and that we pull ourselves out. It's, it's understanding that nobody is perfect. And, and when we're in a low self-acceptance mode, you, you start to believe that everybody's better than you. And, and it's, it's possible, and, and quite frankly, there's many people that are better than you are in many ways. But that doesn't mean that you're any less of a person yourself. And instead of comparing yourself, you know, negatively, just accept the fact and and see how we can learn it. And as a matter of fact, one of the greatest things you can do is, is make sure that you're in a room that you're not the smartest person in the room, because that's the way you grow and learn and recognize that you want to be in a room where you're not the smartest person in the room, because that's the way you grow and learn. So it's not about. You know, be the best at everything, everywhere. It's about surrounding yourself where you're not, so that you can grow and learn, um, and and then just take a step back and enjoy you and your personality, foibles and all. Um, so so what if you're a little bit too meticulous and, and want everything to be perfect? And when things don't work out, you wish you know you you know you could start over and um, but you know, whatever, when you start to feel your weaknesses, stop it, do a reality check and then go on, Um, you know, in kind of laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself so seriously. Um, Let's have some fun with it. Right. I mean, I'm a goob 95 to 99 percent of the time. That's just who I am. And those people that hang with me all the time absolutely know it. Um, But that's The embracing of that is what makes it happen, right? But you've got to like yourself in the most of yourself as much as you can. You're never going to get 100% self-satisfaction. There's always going to be something about yourself. As a matter of fact, there should always be something about yourself that you should be working on. We're never a complete picture. You're never done. You should never be done growing. You should never be done pushing yourself to be better. and And so if you're like seventy five percent accepting of yourself, you should feel awesome because you should always be growing in twenty five percent of your areas, right? It should always be growing and always trying to be getting better and always trying to to find what you could be improving because if not, then that's that's when it's time to pack it in. that's that's when it's time it's over. So hopefully this helped um, and and hopefully, uh, you guys enjoyed this one, and uh, for those of you that are going to be in Vegas with me next week, uh, come find me, man. Uh, let's have some fun. Uh, you will find us, uh, uh, obviously, all over the floor at CA World, and at the end of the night, we'll probably be in the piano bar at New York, New York. So you can always find us in Vegas. We're going to have a great time out there. Uh, John Stenbeck and I are giving two sessions on Wednesday, um, and we'll also be doing a book signing for the Agile Almanac Volume 2, which you can find Uh, on Amazon right now, Uh, but we will be giving away uh, author signed copies uh, for free while we're at CA World. So you can find us there. I believe we're doing that on Tuesday uh, or Wednesday. We're doing that Wednesday. So come find us there. We'll be excited to see you and meet you in person. Otherwise, uh, we're going to be doing a replay next week because of CA World. And I believe it's a replay the week after that because of Thanksgiving. So I will be live again with you guys in three weeks Uh, But look forward to talking to you again right here on the Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.